Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Back again, once again here for your earwaves, the Hangtime Podcast, Aku Smith. Here at the studio in Atlanta, my main man, Lane Whitaker, on the road in Boston, Eastern Conference Finals. What's up, sir? How are you? I'm doing great, dude. By the way, if you want to know a great way to burn some time on a flight from the West Coast back to Atlanta. Right. If they have Curb Your Enthusiasm on the (laughs) in-flight. Dude, I was laughing so hard. I know people sitting around me were probably wondering, who is this idiot laughing on on this entire flight because I watched like eight episodes. <laughs> Have you watched it before? Yeah, you know I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's I can't remember because you hate Seinfeld. I've never seen Seinfeld, but I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it was the season where they were t- talking about doing the Seinfeld reunion, I guess. Yeah. So I got to see a little bit of Jerry and all that. But man, Larry David is man. He is the funniest. Don't foolish. talk to me about Curb Your Enthusiasm until you go watch Seinfeld. I look. I missed it. It's I, still on. It's on eight times a day. Well, I don't have time to watch that. We got playoffs to worry about. I don't have time to worry about that. But if you do want to burn some time on a on a cross country flight, curb your enthusiasm. Perfect. I uh, had a twenty five minute flight <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> well, you had a you had a twenty minute game. Yeah. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. I games one and two of the West were wildly dramatic in terms of how they went. Yeah. Um, out in Oakland, but game one in Boston was more of LeBron and the Cavaliers mowing the competition down. What I mean, Le- they're not going to lose on their way to the finals, are they? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I kind of thought it might be I, – I thought maybe five games, to be polite, sort of, to the Celtics and right. to honor them for making the conference finals and being the one seed. But this kind of feels like the Cavs-Hawks from two years ago. you yeah. know. And with, look, with Boston, if, if you cut off the head of the snake, Isaiah – right and you try to make someone else beat you. I, I just watched all those Boston-Washington games, and, and in Game 7, somebody else beat them, Olenek, yeah. basically. And I don't know if those guys can do that against Cleveland. Kevin Love was outstanding, 32 yeah. points. Um, Tristan Thompson rebounds. was awesome, Tristan too. Thompson was a monster. Totally took Al Horford out of the action. That's the problem with, with Boston, is if you can like control the interior against them, it just yeah. causes them all kind of problems. And there was games where like Gortat and Porter and – Morris did that, but mm-hmm. they couldn't do it consistently. And I, this is where Thompson is worth his money because yeah. he can just pound the glass inside and the energy. Yeah, yeah, they, he, he was just too much. And then, but look, the whole thing is LeBron. It's all LeBron. I know. I know. He is playing at such a high level. We've been talking about it since that Indiana series when I saw him. <laughs> and I told you how locked in he is. Yeah, it's incredible. He, he he's 
after the game last night, I was in the locker room and everyone else was kind of, you know, talking and stuff. And LeBron was just sitting off on the side with his feet in an ice bucket, mm-hmm. kind of scrolling through his phone like it was like another, you know, Wednesday night game in January <laughs> or something. He's been, st- listen, he's been stalking Katie and Steph and them on the other side ever since Durant decided to go to Golden State. They And I don't care what anybody says, everything in between has been leading up to the, the finals this year for yeah. both teams. I mean, I could tell I could tell that from Golden State. You know, I saw Draymond in the hallway after the game the other night. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I cut, you know, he's like, "What's up, brother?" And I was like, "What's up?" And I said, "Man, I said you guys are trying to get this done so we can get to the real stuff, huh?" And he's like, "You better believe." It. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they 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 just, there's a feeling I think for both of them. And you're right, LeBron is playing I mean, I don't I, watching the Warriors. I don't think the Warriors have really hit their real stride yet, and they've won twenty five or twenty six, by the way. Yeah, dating back to March, mid March. Their only loss in this stretch has been to they lost like to Utah. For what it's worth, Cleveland hasn't lost a game since April twelfth. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> these guys are like it, it's such a weird thing that to to that these two teams might get through the playoffs unblemished until they get to the finals. The first loss one of them's going to have is game game one of the finals that would be crazy yeah to, for that to happen i we're going to talk about lebron every day between now and the end of the this season in some form or fashion and i've heard people ask the question you know like is this the best they've ever seen of lebron as good as he is right now lang i thought he was better in year two in miami in year three in miami where he was just off the charts good and he was still high flying and he not that he isn't now but he was like head above the rim on yeah. every dunk good back then. I think he had better pieces around him then. Mm-hmm. He was more athletic then. I think. Yeah. I think now he's more economic with the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a lot more practical about it. Like you see him, you know, bring the ball down, stop, look, see what's happening, call the guy over to get a mismatch, right. get a switch. And then, like, there was the one play against – he got Olenek on him last night and he took him <laughs> to the basket. They came back down. He – Got the same switch again. He got Olenek on it, turned his back on him, dribbled the ball twice, <laughs> turned around and just went right to the rim and made another layup. You know, in that first half, I think he was eight for nine, and all eight that he made were layups, and he had one missed three-pointer in there. He's kind of found a way to play where it balances being effective with not having to to wear himself out physically. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's pretty spectacular to watch. And somebody was saying, like, who who is a possible foil for LeBron? I was like, I don't know that there is a physical foil for him other than Kawhi Leonard, who yeah. who will not be making it, as far as I can tell, barring catastrophe and the most unbelievable, you know, turnaround of anything I've ever seen. He won't he won't make it to the finals. He won't get a chance to see LeBron. Size-wise, maybe Draymond, but I don't know if he's quick enough. Draymond's to... isn't, Draymond is not bigger than LeBron, though. He's, like, he's no, noticeably he's, smaller than LeBron. He's the closest probably the, the of the players that are left. Yeah. You know, the only thing, the only wild card, and I know we're skipping ahead seven, yeah. eight spaces here. The only wild card I could see, and I don't think he could, I don't think he's a match for LeBron, but what if you, what if you get to the finals and you decide to unearth Matt Barnes on LeBron? No. Just to see if he could agitate him a little no, bit. No, he's not, he's not going to do probably that. Not gonna, probably I, not you know, hurt. I would thought you might say Kevin Durant. Well, that, that's a. Di- I mean, LeBron's going to have to deal with Durant legitimately. They're going to have to yeah. deal with each other in that series, one way or another. Because I'm but here to also, tell you right now, you're, you're not putting Kevin Love on Durant. That's going to be a barbecue chicken alert. But Durant, I mean, Durant will eat Kevin. Kevin you Love might alive. run into the same problem that 
Boston's having, that Washington's having, and in with Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love just controlling the the glass against you. You know, Golden State that's that's always been their one Achilles heel. Is, yeah, is, but Draymond has no problem. He'll he be okay, but he didn't have a problem. And Durant's Durant will rebound. Like I think that'll be a, a more formidable situation for for Golden State than it was last year. Durant. You forget. I mean, I can't believe I'm since we forget how good Kevin Durant is until you go watch him up close and personal. Yeah. Um, Scott Cooper and Fran and I were out in Oakland for games one and two, and we. I mean, it's it's, it's a joke. At the end of the game one, after they've been down twenty five, and it looked like oh, you know, oh gosh, here goes one of these Warriors collapses. They were swinging the ball from side to side, and it was going from Steph to Durant, from Steph to Durant. From Steph. Yeah. It was like, are you serious? Like, if you're the Spurs, which one of these guys, like, who do you load up on? Right. You can't, you know, you can't pick a poison. And Clay Thompson hasn't even played well yet offensively. Like, he hasn't even gotten on track. Watching that, the game one of the Spurs Warriors before Kawhi got hurt and watching LeBron, it made me think that maybe next year for those NBA awards, we should have the MVP award. And then there could also be a best player award because and then in the MVP, you know, discussion, you have Westbrook and Harden. Right. And then in the best player, you get I think that you have LeBron and Kawhi yeah. in that talk. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that well, somebody guys didn't be have both. great seasons. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's sort of two different things. Yeah. I don't know. You're kind of splitting hairs and, you know, some people. Sure. Like, oh, why you, got, you know, some people are bellyache about that. I, I, I got to wait and see how the NBA award show goes off and, you know, and how, how, how it plays out, the yeah. you know the awards themselves. I have no idea who's going to win. Is the thing I've I've kind of, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing or if the way it was designed, but I've kind of forgotten about it during the playoffs. Like, oh yeah, we we still don't know. Well, also the know, two guys, win. the two guys we talked the most about are both are sitting at home right now. Yeah, they're chilling. Every time I look up, Westbrook's on Instagram, like driving down the street, singing Rihanna or whatever. It's like we didn't talk about the the Rockets getting sent home, did we? We don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> They're not talking about it. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about it in Houston. The the Celtics, for all the doom and gloom that is upon them uh, right now after <laughs> one game in the conference finals, pretty damn good week if you're Boston. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I'm glad that the Boston sports fans finally saw things go their way. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I, it's I, a say that good as week. A, I say that as an angry Falcons fan. <laughs> I mean, you get the number one pick in the draft lottery. You make it to the conference finals. You're number one seed, so you host game one, all that good stuff. You win a game seven. You win a game seven over Washington at home. I mean, it was pretty spectacular. Yeah. And I and I think, obviously, somebody needs to be in the Basketball Hall of Shame for that trade, you know, in Brooklyn. They, there's no excuse for that trade to produce as much as it has. I know Paul Pierce is taking credit for it. It's not over yet. And is that, yeah. <laughs> they got next year's yeah, exactly. first round pick, too. I mean, Paul Pierce is asking for a statue based solely on you know, pr- producing that number one pick on his way out the door in Boston. Yeah. Um, but, it, I mean, it, does, do, you're up there. Is it is it kind of a foregone conclusion what they're doing with that number one pick? Or are they playing the game where we're going to weigh all our options and blah, 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 blah. I mean, or do I don't know. I, I talked to a couple of people about mm-hmm. it last night. The The interesting thing to me is, is talking about it today in the light of what happened last night. So, mm-hmm. not only do you lose game one to Cleveland, you lose pretty convincingly. And and now you think, well, what do we need to be able to compete with this Cleveland team? And I don't know if I don't see Markel LeBron Fultz, James in the draft. Yeah, yeah. No. I don't. At least next year, no. maybe, you know, maybe 
Now, maybe you think, okay, we'll take someone and we're, we're planning for three years from now, four years from now. Right. Um, at which point, you know, maybe, you know, Al Horford and Isaiah Thomas are older and aren't playing the roles they're playing now. But, or you think, you know, we move this pick and we get someone who helps us right now and makes us compete next year. So I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting what happens in this series and how that affects what's going to happen with this number one pick. Yeah, I don't think they should. I, I mean, I've heard some people say they should trade it for an established star. Trade it and get Jimmy Butler. Trade right. it, I, I don't think I don't like that idea. I don't like the idea of trading number one pick unless it's a draft where Michael Olawa Candy is the potential number one pick. You know what I mean? A guy that you don't right. – no offense to, to the Olawa Candy family. I'm sure that seemed like a dig. Um, but I'm just saying, <laughs> unless was. you see it <laughs> – Candy man's my dude, though. I'm saying, unless you look in, you're looking at the number one guy and saying, we, we think he could be a great player. We're not, you know, we're not sure he's a future Hall of Fame type player. Like, if I got a chance for a transcendent talent, at the top of the draft, I don't trade that pick away. And I don't know if there is one in this draft. Well, on the flip side of that, the, you know, on the flip side of the candy man, I mean, there's also not a LeBron James at the top of this draft, I don't no. think. No. So I, I don't know if maybe there, maybe you think, well, I don't know if I have a chance for a transcendent talent. Or the other thought is, you know, if, if you've, you're saying, well, we're not going to be able to build this thing for next year we're still looking a couple years under maybe you try to flip this thing for a couple more picks right you know i mean in a, in a weird way though that's sort of their problem is they have too many prospects yeah. right now that they can't even get all those guys on the court so uh, maybe you try to move the one pick for two picks down the you know down the draft somewhere i don't know the stupid thing for me is if the draft goes in a, if basketball goes according to plan over the next year I would rather have the number one pick next year. They might. Because if they get it next year, you got a chance to get a guy in potentially in Michael Porter, who a lot of people think will be the number one pick next year. And we know these things like, you know, a year out now. Um, who well, are they the might have the, the number top? one pick next year. Yeah, if they get the number one pick, then it's, then it's different. You're talking about a 6'10 guy who plays a totally different position of the guys who are going to be the top of this draft. Um, who could be that kind of player, who could be, you know, with the size and the ability and, I don't know. It's it's all rolling dice. And like you said, if there's not a LeBron foil in the group yeah. and you're in the Eastern Conference, you got them one pick. I don't know what good it does you because I don't think trading for Paul George or, or Jimmy Butler gives you a LeBron foil either. You know, this idea that you could trade for one of those guys as good as they are. If you put either one of those guys on that Boston team right now, I don't know that you have any better chance of beating Cleveland, let alone winning uh, games. I think you have a better chance. One of the other beating, things of beating kinda, you think you got a better chance of beating Cleveland in the series. Yeah, a better chance. I didn't say you're going to beat them. Right. <laughs> but I think you have a better chance. I I the other thing that jumps out at me with this Boston team is for as good as they are and for being the number 1 seed in the conference. Right. They they don't really even have five starters. Like <laughs> they, you know what I mean? Like he's he's like he, he changed the starting lineup several times yeah. in that Washington series. Uh, last night he started Amir Johnson. He played him like three minutes, yeah, and that they, was it. They have interchangeable parts, yeah. Yeah, so there, there's not even like that that top five hierarchy of guys who are demonstrably better than everyone else. Like, I, to me, they, I mean, there's still a player or two at that level away from from being. This is ready why to, this is why I voted Cleveland. Brad Stevens my coach of the year, though. And people were like, sure. you know, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, man, they don't have a conference finals roster to me. Yeah. But you know, but here they are. They don't have a number one team in the East roster to me, and and you can say part of that is you know attributable to LeBron and the Cavaliers not 
caring about the number one seed necessarily. But I still thought Brad Stevens did a heck of a job with with what they have and for them to be where they are in the standings, playing in the conference finals, have the normal pick. It ain't a bad time to be a Boston sports fan or a Celtics fan. For all that coach. talk about Cleveland, you know, wanting to be the one seed and maybe not getting the one seed and Boston getting the one seed, uh, well, that's all over now because Cleveland has home court. <laughs> yeah, it didn't matter. <laughs> you know, it lasted about about 48 minutes and it's done. <laughs> I was thinking about that last night. The other thing that struck me last night was uh, Stevens after the game. I used it in my, the story I wrote mm-hmm. saying that he was like, look, even since I've been in the league, LeBron's gotten better. And you don't normally see that from yeah. guys at this point in their career. Oh, it's preposterous. Yeah. I and mean, he it, talked about, like, I, I, I want to see what they do now. Like, how do you – what do you adjust for game two? How do you change what you've done? Um, you know, they tried just playing him straight up for most of that first half, and it didn't work. They tried doubling him in the third quarter, and he found Kevin Love over and over again. Uh what are they going to do to change things for game two? It, oh, I know exactly Brad Stevens is coach of the year. Let's see what they do. No, you know? no, I know exactly what needs to be done. They need to jack up the AC like San Antonio did <laughs> and hope that LeBron has to get carried off, dehydrate. I'm serious. They need they need something outside the realm of, of the basketball court. They're known for that at the Boston this. Garden, right? Like they, they turn off the hot water or whatever. I'm not or? pointing any fingers at anybody. I'm not, I'm not calling anybody. I'm just saying. Get the spirit of Red Hour back in Yes, here. if there were some – glitch in the in the matrix to happen in the city of Boston it might be a beneficial thing for uh, the Celtics um their their arch rivals across the country were were in the middle of the spotlight on on draft lottery night as well um, mm-hmm. Los Angeles Lakers get the number 2 pick when's the last time the Celtics and Lakers in whatever order had the first two picks of a draft I don't Same remember draft. that's crazy that can't well, have happened before I was talking with someone last night. We were trying to remember the last time a team in the conference finals had the first pick. It, maybe it was James Worthy when the Lakers yeah. picked him. I mean, the, the Celtics picked Lynn Bias second back when they were, you know, perennial uh, top of the conference. But I, I, we were trying to remember the last time the number one pick went to the conference finalists, and we, I think it was James Worthy. Yeah, that's craziness. That's craziness. I, I just like the idea that uh, all of the conspiracy theorists were out in full effect the other night. Like, I knew the Lakers were going to keep the big and blah, blah, blah. It's <laughs> like, hey, man, do you really want it any other way? I want, I, I, and I don't care that anybody subscribes to all these crazy theories. I, I do want the best teams, and I know that people in Phoenix are not going to be happy when I say this, but, I mean, I, I, I want <laughs> In Sacramento. But, you know, you, you haven't exactly done great things when you've had these advantageous draft positions. So let's see what the let's see what the historically uh, great franchises can do with it. The Lakers and Celtics, uh, let's see if they get it right. Let's see if they can get the number one pick and make it work. Let's see if the Lakers can get that number two pick and make it work. And by that same token, let's see if we can't figure out what the heck is going on in, in Lakerland. <laughs> At LeVar Ball Country um, with Kevin Ding, a Bleach Report. He's covered the Lakers for so long, he remembers the last time they had a, a top two pick in the draft, which was basically the last four years. Last year? Uh, exactly. <laughs> Kevin, what's up, man? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Paul. How are you? We're good. Listen, um, you know, the, the elephant in the room, obviously, with the Lakers and the lottery, um, this idea that Lonzo Ball, hometown kid, 
bringing bringing the whole family, you know, down the road from Chino Hills <laughs> to Staples. Is, is I mean, is this going to happen? Does everybody believe that this is kind of a a foregone conclusion that he ends up in a Lakers uniform? You know, I I, I guess my best way to put it would be. The Lakers like him a lot. Um, that, that's the crux of it, um, uh, you know, amidst all the other assumptions about just the hometown kid and, and it making sense locally. Um, they, they really love him as a player, and he fits the style that, that Luke Walton's putting in. Um, and so they might even like him, you know, better than Markel Fultz, mm-hmm. which would make things really easy. Um, but amidst all that, that feeling right now, I'd say that, that – you know the Lakers, and and from top to bottom, and that in, in the new front office, uh, and and this holds also from when, um, you know, Jesse Bus, one of the Bus kids, runs the the scouting department basically, and 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 I know that his philosophy has always been just the whole process matters. You you don't mm-hmm. make the same decisions, you know, in November as you would make in March or make in May or make in June. Um, so so. Even if that lean is there, and, and you know they're certainly not not putting it out there that it is, um, I think it's uh, it's going to be up to to Ball to to wow them in these workouts and, and make it clear to them, you know, hometown or not, you uh, you're if you're getting the best player you can if you take me, and uh, and make it easy. I think it, it's that simple that the Lakers will take the best player, and if he's not the best player, they're not going to take him. Yeah. You know, no matter all the public pressure and all the assumptions out there. Mm-hmm. Kevin, you wrote a piece on Bleacher Report this week about um, how it's up to Lonzo Ball now, just like you're saying, to kind of prove himself to the Lakers. What, what is left for him to show them? I mean, we got to see him play at a high level at UCLA this year. What, what's left for Lonzo to show the Lakers? They they really want to see everything besides the passing. That you know, they 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 want to see the elite level of athleticism you have to have to be a number two overall pick, that, that you can do amazing things out there. I mean, it, it's it's going to come down to the individual workouts uh, of the guys. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll go back to, to the to the Okafor-Russell year, uh, which you know also includes the Porzingis because the Lakers worked him out also. Mm-hmm. Uh, before individual workouts, you know, they had a feeling based on the college season that the Jalil Okafor was – was legit that they they thought he would he would be a good fit, and they, through the workout process, they you know sort of had their eyes opened as to as to his limitations. They had him in for two workouts, and, and the second one especially, they're like, mm, and then with more thought about the direction of the modern game, and and uh, a, a great you know couple workouts from from D'Angelo Russell, then it, it became clear to them right before the draft that this was the guy they wanted, not. You know the big man. So, um, absolutely, the same sort of thing could happen if Ball doesn't wow them, and if uh, you know Darren Fox comes in and the athleticism is not only everything that you expect, but the you know the the uh, the interview process is important to them too about having the mentality of a player that that wants to be great. Um, and if everything fits together with one of these other guys, you know Josh Jackson or Fultz, you know all four of them are the ones I'd say. You know I'm told that the Lakers are considering. And uh, and obviously one would go to Boston in in theory uh, before the Lakers pick, but if all of them you know come in and only one of them c- comes out with all the things, all the boxes checked, and and that guy is the best player, then that's the guy the Lakers are going to take if he's there. Right, Kevin, do you think that Magic and and Palinka believe that their personalities are strong enough to offset any foolishness that could come 
with LeVar Ball being a part of the whole, you know what I mean? Are they are they confident that they can repel whatever negative energy, <laughs> seriously, whatever negative energy that the comes with LeVar? That, yeah. that must be repelled. Yeah, I mean, it's like, because <laughs> it... That's well put. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it's a part of the package now. It, it unfortunately for Alonzo Ball, you know, Lavar is like the billboard in the background. That, that, that when he's walking in, there's this big sign in the back. Oh, don't forget about Lavar. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I'd say or at least right now. I mean, it seems to change on a <laughs> on a daily basis. That the foolishness might be ramped up, you know, click by click. And by uh, by draft day, it might be overwhelming. But um, right now, the Lakers' view is is it's it's totally you know maybe not a non-issue, but a, but a very secondary issue to to all the things involving the kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know by all assessments at this point of his time at UCLA, you know he was totally different than right. uh, than his dad, and and he was an incredibly hard worker and and very respectful to everybody, and and sort of you know if you if you put LeVar out of the picture entirely. You're like, this is a great kid, you know. Um, you know, his parents must have done a great job raising him. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you you think about it, and and it, anybody's family, you know, my dad had a big personality when I was growing up, and, <laughs> and he was really loud, you know, authoritarian Asian father, and, and the rest of us in the family, there wasn't that much room for us to, to you know, to spread our wings as, as, as right. I was growing up either. So, I mean, I'm not shocked that his kids aren't, you know, aren't out tooting their own horn the way that he is. I mean, it's just there's just not enough space or not enough air in the in the house for it. So, uh, so it it really it, it's hard to predict exactly how that's going to turn out. Right. Um, you know, the other question to me is is how is a kid who who stays home his whole life and then goes to school for a year at home and then goes to his his hometown team? I mean, is that ideal also as opposed to going out and getting away? Um, and and uh, and finding your own independence and and becoming all, you know not only the player but the person and you know you, you want to be is that ideal for for Lonzo Ball either um, you know in his case maybe just just you know becoming a pro player and getting a little bit of more space from his dad is enough and and maybe it'd be overwhelming for him to go to Boston or Philly and and have that shock of being away from his family and turning pro and all the all the transition that it it, it takes for. For a guy, so each individual might be different, uh, you know. But but generally speaking, there there are a lot of questions about about what is the best next step for Lonzo Ball, right. and is it really just to stay home and play for the Lakers, which feels comfortable and, and has that safety net? Kevin, we know they drafted a point guard, um, what two years ago with D'Angelo Russell. Uh, if they go with Lonzo, what does that do for Russell, and, and how does that fit work? Their their feeling is that's not uh, a concern. You know, they've always felt like uh, Russell can go either way. You know, at one or two, and uh, and so he, one of his best qualities uh, is is just being a spot up shooter. Um, he he can also create, obviously, and 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 play point guard. But uh, they envision he he could flourish as a spot up shooter next to ball, and then of course one of well, the other one could could run the offense uh one 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 is out or one is taking a break um and so so in the modern game it, it actually makes a lot of sense um you know in because neither one uh ideally is is restricted just to solely passing mm-hmm. so uh so 
it doesn't it doesn't enter the picture that much. And and from what I'm told, the Lakers will take just the best player, not worry about the fit, figure it out later. You know, um, and and it doesn't look like any of the guys they're considering would be would be such a conflict with either Russell or Ingram anyway, um, because they, they're. You know they're probably going to play a lot of small guys on the floor and do a lot of uh, up tempo and shooting anyway. Yeah, Kevin Dinger, Bleacher Report here with us on the Hang Time Podcast. I I've had a thought, Kevin, about this Paul George conversation, and I and I can't for the life of me um, think why anyone would want this to change. Paul George obviously has a connection to Southern California, Los Angeles, and the Lakers. He's going to be a free agent after next season. You got the number two pick in this draft. You don't have to mortgage anything to get George, or at least to get his attention in free agency. Now, you could run the risk of somebody else coming in with an offer for you know to the Pacers, but wouldn't it be wise if you're the Lakers to, to continue to rebuild with these young guys with an eye towards Paul George in free agency as opposed to trying to trade for him? Yeah, uh, I mean, and that's the, that's the mentality I had, you know, a year ago, when when there was a lot of speculation about Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers, and you know, and and does that make sense to to trade your assets now to get a proven superstar in place? And so I agree with your general theory, uh, absolutely. Uh, the only the only caveat I would say would be if the Lakers believe that Paul George is the right guy to to basically, you know, take the torch from Kobe. Um, and there is some of that sentiment within the organization because, you know, not only just for the reasons you mentioned, uh, it makes sense, but, but he, you know, sort of has that, that, that work ethic and desire to be that, that Laker, which yeah. very few guys have, have had, as, as you guys know, as the Lakers have swung and missed so many times in free agency, just expecting, oh, this guy will want to be the next star for the Lakers. Yeah. Um, Paul George's desire to, to do that is is very attractive and so if you say that this is the guy we want from from not only legitimate you know top flight nba superstar talent plus the character that we want then do we run the risk of of you know him yeah getting traded somewhere to a contender and then winning and realizing this is good enough for me i'm good i'm going to keep going and then you you missed out on that chance to get that guy who wants that job yeah. Um, and and I'll, I'll hark back to how how Jerry Buss used to always say it's not just getting a superstar in here, it's a superstar with the right character, and that's how the Lakers have been great all these years. So if if you are concluding that Paul George is that guy, and you, and you have a chance to get him and you pass, then <laughs> that, that's that's on you. You right. know. Right. So that that's the only thing I would say as, as a rebuttal to that. Yeah. Kevin, uh, you've been around that franchise for a long time and, and watched how things work. Um, we saw them go through a pretty big shakeup in the front office in the last six months with Magic taking over, Rob Belinka being the GM. Have you noticed a change in the way things work there, or what's different now? The main thing I would say is is the spirit of uh, collaboration is, is very different. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know Jim Bus wasn't the the, the most uh, you know people person <laughs> mentality kind of guy, um, but neither was Mitch Kupchak. I mean, he he was sort of kept to himself and, and liked to analyze things on his own, and and a lot of times did not have an open door policy to even his own staff about you know their their opinions or or empowering them. You know, it was a very old school dynamic. 
Um, and, and as the Lakers have sort of shifted on the court by bringing Luke Walton in and, and bringing that Golden State mentality of, of openness and sharing and communication, uh, that was that was lacking very much in the front office. And, and Jeannie Buss really was frustrated by it as the years went on. Uh, you know, it just wasn't what she envisioned it would be. And so, in a lot of ways, it was inevitable that that it couldn't last. It was just a matter of the losing you know, made it much easier for her to pull the trigger on, on shifting things around. And, and Magic Johnson has has brought in, at least for now, you know, uh, sort of that, that mentality that, that we saw from his playing days of, of openness and, and collaboration. And, uh, and so that, that is the one concern that I'd say that, that people had about him was he's such a big superstar. He's wanted this job for so long. You know, once he gets it, is, he, is it going to be all about magic? And, and so far, at least, it hasn't been, and, and that's been encouraging for, for the Lakers. And, and now that they have this, this number two pick again, it just sort of validates this feeling around the organization, like at least we're doing things right, we're building the, you know, the organization we want, and maybe the winning will come later. Yeah. Kevin Dingle, Bleacher Report, here with us on the Hangtime Podcast. Last thing, Kevin, I know you're in San Antonio. you got your, uh, you know, uh, sweat. Sweat repellent <laughs> shirts out for the humidity. Um, are, are you going to get more than games three and four in San Antonio in that series, or is that? I mean, I was in Oakland for games one and two. I I thought the only chance the the Spurs had of making it a long series was to steal that first game. When that didn't happen and they lost Kawhi, I, I started adjusting my travel plans for the rest of the series. Uh, is that is that a short series, or do you think the Spurs have enough in them to, to stretch it back out? I I really can't see it happening. Yeah. I I I it's kind of sad to, to say the state of the conference <laughs> finals and um and you know sort of my mentality all season long was how how are either of these teams not going to make it back to the finals and then there's that stat where you know no team has ever made it back to face the other team three years in a row and so I was sort of clinging to that <laughs> idea like something's going to happen. I mean the forces of nature are such that that it's never happened. So it's you know <laughs> The odds are it's not going to happen again, but it's just so difficult to see a team, uh, you know, at full strength with with Kawhi Leonard beating the Warriors. That a team without it's almost incomprehensible. And, yeah. and I, you know, going back to the, the final weeks of the regular season, I was down in Oakland and, and sat down with Seth Curry and talked to him, and I, I was just blown away by what a good place he was at. You know, with the whole team. That was that was when Durant just. Uh, was about to come back, and and the identity of the team had sort of been reestablished as the this is this is the old team, the 2015 team with, you know, Kevin Durant coming to add to it. You know, they just reestablished. We we play great defense. We share the ball. Steph can go off and do whatever he wants at any time. And then Durant's going to come in and join this group, and that's sort of who they are. They and that's the key to me is that, you know, I don't see how even Cleveland's going to beat these guys with that. Uh, strength of mentality and obvious, <laughs> obvious immense talent. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, at least the, the finals should be should be more interesting. But, but right now, I think the Warriors are really impressive. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Kevin Ding, take some time out of a busy day as always to join us here, man. We appreciate you so much. Enjoy uh, San Antonio. I'll see you down there, and uh, uh, maybe we'll figure out a way to uh, put some mojo on Kawhi's ankle and make this thing dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, man. Take care, Lang. See you guys. Kevin Ding, man, of Bleach Report. Always good to talk to him. Great perspective, Lang, on, you know, not only what goes on with the L.A. area teams, especially the Lakers, but the league in general. And he raises a good point, man. 
Steph Curry is in such a groove right now, um, and he's healthy. Uh, you, me and your boy Michael Lee were hanging out a little bit, obviously, in Oakland. And Mike followed him out of the, the press room the other night and was trying to, you know, talk to him just about what has sparked this, you know, this groove he's in, you know, and why is he playing so well now. And Steph had a great simple answer for him. He's like, I'm healthy. You know, you hate to boil it down to this. He's like, but I'm healthy. And really, isn't that what it always boils down to this time of year? Like, who's who's healthy? Who's available? Uh, you know, who can play at their at their peak level, and who can't? Either way, we know who is not on the injured list. He never is. He's always healthy, one hundred percent. Our main man, John Schumann, and his Schumann staff. Fellas. Shoot, what's what up, are man? you doing, man? What's up? We're, we're, seriously, what are you doing? Have you what tu- am I doing? Have you turned off CNN and turned back <laughs> on playoff basketball yet? Well, let's go behind the scenes. We, we called it's hard them. hard to resist. <laughs> Go right, behind we, the know, we know Politishu is in full effect. We right tried now. to call Schumann, and, they, and he told us he was working on a stat. We had to wait and call him back. <laughs> He's working on his uh, his breakdown of of what's going to happen with this invest. Anyway, go uh, ahead, Schumann. Let's stay away. <laughs> so I, I do have a stat. You better have um, a stat. So Al Horford, playing for the Boston Celtics, is in danger of falling to zero and four against LeBron James in playoff series. Yep. If he did so, he would join four other players who are 0-4 against LeBron James in playoff series. I can give you uh, two of them off the top of my head. Jeff Teague? No. No. <laughs> Keep going. Jeff Finish Teague the question. 0-3. Oh, so it's just who else would be the other? Jeff? Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague was with. The and, Hawks in fourteen, fifteen, and fifteen, sixteen, and, and the Pacers, the Pacers, Pacers this, this year. year. Yep. So he was not with the Hawks in oh eight, oh nine when Horford uh, right. lost the right. series. To, and Tamari uh, wasn't there yet either. What about uh, maybe two this... of them play for for uh, one team and two of them for another team? So there's four guys own four against LeBron in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It would have been somebody he smoked in Cleveland and Miami, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see. He had to right. beat him. Yeah, in both places. Uh, which players? Yeah. In it? fact, one of them actually, the two guys lost a series against him in his first run with Cleveland, two mm. series against him with Miami, and a series in his second run with Cleveland. Wow. Um. The other guys were three versus Miami and this year. Okay. All right, who did they blow through? Again, Charlotte? Nope. No. Oh. I was thinking it would be those guys, but he faced Washington early in his career, but not late in his later in his All right, career. so who's he already lost? Or who's he already beat this year? Indiana uh, and uh, Toronto. Right. Paul not George. Toronto. They won't, they're, they're guys... You know, he's only played them last two well, years. Got, Paul George has to be one of them, right? Paul George, correct. Yeah. Paul George, so and what Paul George teammate has also been on the Pacers for four uh, Miles? series losses. Left the Pacers for a little bit, 
came back. Oh, Lance. Lance, Lance <laughs> Stevenson. Correct. Damn, Lance. Man, why are we doing Lance dirty like this? So, he yeah, Lance and he Paul deserve this Georgia hate. are both 0-4 All right. uh, versus LeBron in the playoffs. Two other guys from a Central Division team. Of course, neither of them plays for that Central Division team anymore. A team has sort of been broken up uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was traded uh, during the season this year. The other guy was... Kyle uh, Corver and Damari Carroll. Left as a free agent. No, they weren't on that 08, 09. Oh, they weren't on that early one, were they? Yeah. Uh, uh, who else? Would it be a Chicago team? Chicago, correct. Yes. Mm. Two guys, though. Uh, Taj Gibson? Taj Gibson, yeah. Taj Gibson, correct. And I'm not going to count Derrick Rose because he didn't play. In the uh, I feel like he wasn't. He Was Corver on those teams? Yeah. Corver was on one of those teams or no? On the other Kyle team, he might have Corver was on the 10-11 Bulls. Yeah. And then two, lost two series to LeBron with the Hawks. That's only three total. That's three, yeah. yeah. Who else was? Who else got moved off Chicago? I'm trying to think. Boy, my memory shot. Current Aaron New York Brooks. Knicks. You know, Joe Kim Noah. Joe Kim Noah. Yeah. Wow. I'm getting old. So, yes, yeah, so I went and looked at who's played LeBron the most. Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce have played the most series against him. Five. Mm-hmm. Four with Boston, one with uh, the Nets. They both two and three. Right. Um, so they're a group of ten guys who have actually won two series versus LeBron, including three Spurs, Ginobili, Duncan, and Parker. Um, Garnett and Pierce, Rondo, Ray Allen and Glenn Davis, and Kendrick Perkins. And then also Rashid, who won <laughs> a series against them with Detroit, but also won a series against them with Boston. So having some... Fun digging into the. Uh, You're all up in your LeBron. LeBron. Well, you know, I, the, we all are. <laughs> there was a good trivia question. Like uh, somebody brought it up. Um, who's the only East team that LeBron hasn't beat in the playoffs? Other than the other than the, uh, the team Cavs and the Heat, right? Someone he didn't. Someone he didn't play against. No, he played against this team and lost to them. Orlando. Orlando, correct. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Orlando, I just thought about that. Now, granted, they yeah. haven't been back to the playoffs in quite yeah. some time now. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And if they, they were to get in the playoffs, believe me, he'd get his chance. Yeah. yeah, he'd get his chance to exact his revenge if they were to get in. But uh, he can't beat them right now. In the playoffs. Shoot, where are you at? Like, where are you headed? I'm headed to Cleveland for three and four of that series. Okay, I'll so do, you uh, Cleveland games in the uh, that series, which right. probably just three and four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give our best at uh, Fo Thang Cafe. Exactly. Tell them we're on our way. Um, I'll be there. I'll be there Saturday. Uh, game one, uh, game three, Sunday. So I'll be there sun- Saturday evening. Have some dinner. Yeah. Tell our friends. Tell we'll, our friends. T- tell them we're on our way Fo back. Um, and we we'll get we'll get everything set up. We got to get a podcast or two in while we're mm-hmm. chilling at the Fo Thang Cafe. Um, but I got brought this up uh, after the Raptors series. And you know we've we've talked we've heard lots of talk about the length of the season as far as rest and and mm-hmm. player health and stuff. But like my question now is like does what Cleveland is doing make the regular season even less like does it does it bring does it add another factor to the should we shorten the regular season debate because the regular season doesn't mean as much because you know the Cavs had a worse record than the Celtics. 
had the same record as the Raptors and a worse point differential than both those teams. And, you know, they wiped out the Raptors in four games. And obviously the Celtics have still have a shot to, to make this interesting. But, like, what does it say about the regular season that, you know, this one team comes in and just plays so so sort of mediocre, relative relatively mediocre as far as playoff teams are concerned, and then just it says that flip Le- the switch. It says that LeBron James plays for the Cavaliers, and wherever he plays, he's going <laughs> to render the regular season. Yeah, but is it is it a one exception, or should we think yeah. of this as like uh, a a yes? A, a, it's an exception. Giant, it's an exception. Like a, a, the, a more a bigger talking point. No, the Cavs were the Cavs were twenty three and twenty three in their last forty six games. They lost seven of their last eleven. Yeah. And now they've won ten. What is it? Nine straight. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and have looked like there's no problem at all. And I think they're the exception. If anything, I think this means the regular season games are better than the playoff games. <laughs> yeah, and I and I would also tell you that I remember. I'm pretty sure you guys had to do it too. A few years ago, when he was in Miami, we were all traipsing around as the Heat were piling up that whatever it was win streak, chasing the consecutive win wins. Yep. Uh, and you know, and every game they played was supposed to be the, you know. Oh my gosh, you had to, we had to be there. Shout right. out to John Donovan for sending us all <laughs> all over the place to cover those games. And I kept saying to myself, "This isn't going to mean anything in the playoffs. Even if they got that record and they got to the playoffs and didn't win a championship, this was going to be a moot point. It was going to be nothing." And same thing with the the yeah, Warriors winning seventy three. It's like seventy three and nine too. The regular season means it means everything. If you finish it right, if you don't, I don't care. Like uh, it's, it's, it's no more or less important than any other regular season to me, unless you finish it off in the postseason. So it's kind of like when the Patriots went sixteen and zero and blew it in the playoffs. <laughs> Shoot, somebody's still a little upset about the Super Bowl. As you, I saw say. a lot of twenty-five to three T-shirts <laughs> last night, and it didn't sit well with me. Uh, well, you don't have to worry about seeing anything other than some. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers t-shirts next time we all get together. Hopefully it will be when the finals are cranking up. Shoe, we will talk to you. I'm going to wear my faux thang t-shirt. <laughs> next week, uh, I will wear my faux thang t-shirt with the sleeves cut off, <laughs> uh, rocking out in Cleveland because I don't care what anybody says. Barring a catastrophe, we are going back to back to back with the Cavs and the Warriors, and that means more live hang time podcast with our main man, John Schumann. Shoe, appreciate you, brother. All right, fellas. All right. We'll talk to you. See you, man. All right. Later. John Schumann always bringing it with the stats. I, You know what? The minute he said that, like, who's lost the most to LeBron? I don't know why I started thinking about old dudes like Gilbert Arenas, Deshaun Stevenson. I, was, yeah. I know they played the, the Wizards like three years in a row in the playoffs. So I was thinking one of those guys, knowing good and well that none of them are active players anymore. They uh, might have the most total losses, not, <laughs> not sweeps. Right. You know? Right. But it's just – when you put that into context, how long LeBron has been doing this, it is staggering for this dude to be 14 years into his career and still be marking people like this. And, yeah. And leaving mark. He's Seriously, he's left black and blue marks on basically everybody's resume in the entire league. You know, because only people, only people that can't say, yeah, you know, LeBron cost me this, that, or the other, like Kobe and Dwight. Yeah, you know everybody else. He's he's been in the way or cost them something. I mean, maybe, he, maybe he, Dirk. He basically got his revenge on Dwight. Yeah, Dirk and Mavericks. <laughs> you know, I, the thing that and the, the, here's the thing: 
he's 32. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, he. we might see him play at this level for – if he can play like this, the way he's figured out how to play, where, I mean, he's not taxing himself too much physically, he could play like this for what, five more years? I don't know. He keeps it up. LeBron Jr. will be in the draft. He'll be <laughs> – He'll be, still be doing this when his when his son is in the draft. I don't know. Yeah. It's insane. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna I'm gonna save some of our LeBron conversation for the next few weeks because that's all we're gonna be talking about here shortly when we get to the finals. I feel it coming. Um, shout out to Kevin Ding, our man from Bleacher Report, coming on to talk about the Lakers, the lottery, West Conference Finals. Our main man, John Schumann, with the Schumann stat. He'll be at the Fothang Cafe if anybody's looking for him in Cleveland. We need to get Make a, him buy you dinner. We need to get, like, a little sound effect for the Schumann stat. <laughs> like, you know, when you say Schumann stats, have someone go, like, Schumann stat. No, and, it, and then it should be some, like, you know, some computer-generated <laughs> sounds. Like, a, like, like a, a calculator. The Matrix. Yeah. Um, I'm on it. <laughs> thank you, John Hart. So let's get it done, sir. Um, subscribe on iTunes, as always. Uh Make sure you leave a glowing review. New episodes every Thursday this postseason, and we will see you right here next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off. And everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.